The question is, do others in your life see your faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you know that's for you? But can others see my faith? Well, Jesus is either a liar or there's some evidence when people have faith. Amen? And I think others can see our faith. I think Christ saw these people's faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I've never seen Jesus, but I believe in him. Amen? Amen. But the fact is, is that he said that we should let others see our good works, that it may glorify our Father which is in heaven. I believe people can see our faith. And as I look at this, there are almost 300 verses that contain the word faith in the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? Almost 300 that contain the word faith. Now think about this for just a moment. Uh, you, you consider this in the New Testament, and they are all connected with something. Do you know what they're connected with? They're either connected with strong faith or a lack thereof. <laughs> they're either connected with strong faith or a lack thereof. And so there is either this strong faith that's spoken of or there's this lack of faith. And, of course, if you just go read Hebrews, we call it the hall of what? faith, don't we? And you look at all those folks that had faith. Now, we're going to look at our own personal faith for a moment and ask ourselves, what does my faith look like through the eyes of my Savior? What does my faith look like through the eyes of my Savior? What does Christ see in you? What's your faith look like to him? Now, would you say that your faith is clear and seen by God and others? Or is this an area where you say, you know what, if I had to really think about it, this might be a little bit of a struggle for me. I'm not really sure what other people observe in my faith. I'm not sure what they really see. I, 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 would, I, I, I wouldn't even know how to answer the question. I'm not certain. And it is my prayer as we approach this revival time, of revival meetings, that God will increase our faith at Calvary and reveal himself to this church. Now, you know, I'm praying by faith that will happen. And I'm going to pray believing that he will show himself. And I believe leading up to it, it's going to take prayer and it's going to take a people with a sincere heart coming before God. Do you know what my desire is? Is not only for us to be revived as a church, but God begin to save souls and we have to use this baptismal every Sunday. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? We just start bringing them through because God's saving souls. Why? Because we pray believing God is who he said he was. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Amen. And we know that he heareth whatsoever we ask because we have the petitions that we desired of him. So what are we petitioning him for? And if our Savior is looking at you, looking at your heart, looking at your mind right now, what kind of faith does he see in you? What does he see in you? And I want to challenge you with this. How many are willing to, by faith, pray that God will send revival to this church? How many of you are willing to pray that tonight? I'm willing to pray that God will send revival to Calvary. Now listen, you can say, well, we should just play a little more generically in case it. No, I'm not praying that way. I expect my God to answer my prayer because I'm asking it according to his will. Amen? I expect God to do something through Calvary. I expect God to work in this church. Why? Because it belongs to him. It doesn't belong to me. I expect God to win souls, and I expect God to use us to accomplish that goal. Why? Because that is his will. His only begotten died that those who live on this earth may know that he is the Son of God. 
And the thing of it is, is that I'm going to pray believing that he's going to bring revival. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be the day that Brother Dwight shows up and speaks his first message. Listen, God can start sending it way ahead of time. And when, when Dwight arrives, he's just adding to what's already been happening. I'm going to pray believing. Now here, are you willing to let others in this church and in this community see your faith and show them the power of God? Listen, there is a simple one specific action we must take, and that is to drop this into the midst before Jesus. Isn't that what they said? He said, listen, he said they opened up the toweling his couch and they let it down into the midst before Jesus. Why? Because he was the only solution to what was going to happen. There is no other solution. Listen, if folks are going to get saved, we need to allow them to be dropped down into the midst before Jesus. And the thing of it is, is there's no other way to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way that people in this community, in this county, in this area, or in any area that we're trying to reach are going to get saved unless we let them see Christ. So if your Savior's looking at you tonight, what does he see? What kind of faith does he see in you? So drop this prayer and this revival into the midst before Jesus. Say, what prayer? Our prayer meeting. <laughs> let's drop it before Jesus. Hey, let's, let's drop this revival into the midst of Jesus and let's see what he does. Let's not count on ourselves and our capabilities and and the way we can use our words or the influence that we might have or our charismatic ways or whatever it may be. Why don't we just really depend on Christ and say, Lord, we're counting on you. Do you know, I think that's when Jesus will see our faith because we're trusting in him and not in ourselves. Now, there are so many verses on faith in the scriptures, but this is such a demonstration of what these people had in their heart about someone they loved. Do you have someone you love that you know that is not saved? How many of you in here have a really, someone you really love that's not saved? How many of you love somebody you know they're not saved? Does that just tear your heart out? Does that just tell you, I want something done about it? How many of you are going to pray believing that God would use you or send someone to that individual that they might get saved? (laughs) Listen, we're going to do 24 hours of prayer. I'd put that name on a card. If people are going to come in here and pray, and we're going to pray with a sincere heart, can God not only bring revival to this church, can he bring revival to the heart of someone else and send them to someone that you love that they might get saved? (laughs) I believe God can do that because he took Peter and he sent him all the way over to Cornelius. How many of you remember that story in the Bible? And God went over here and he got Peter and sent him all the way over here so that Cornelius, a man who prayed and did alms before the Lord, ended up getting saved in his whole house. His servants got saved. Why? Because God is in the business of saving souls. How many of us know that tonight? Amen. He's in the business of saving souls. Their faith was such that their friend with the palsy had no other solution but to be brought to Jesus. And I want to tell you something. There's no other solution for someone's salvation than to be brought to Jesus. Amen? How else are they going to get saved? They're not going to get saved by any activity that we do, by any uh, track that we hand out. They are going to get saved by Christ. Amen? Amen? 
That's how they're going to get saved. Now, we use those as tools and we want to. But listen, Jesus does the saving. Hey, their prayer isn't going to save them unless they're praying to the one who can save them. Salvation is in Christ alone. Please know that there is no solution to sin of man than that of Christ Jesus. There's no solution. (laughs) There is no other solution. Listen, he is the way. We cannot be ashamed. And listen, we must not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. Amen? And so if we're going to see people to get saved, then we must pray believing that God's going to do this. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. How many of us are going to pray tonight? God, I'm asking you to hear my prayer tonight. I'm going to cry unto my God. And I'm going to say, Lord, I want souls to be saved. How many here are willing to pray and bring ones that we love and drop them into the midst of our Savior for the healing of the crippling of sin? How many of you realize how crippling sin is? Can you just see it in the world today? It is crippling the souls of men and women and children today. It is crippling them to the point where they believe not God. Miss Kathy was talking to a little girl in the back and she's sharing the gospel with her. And the little girl said... I'd never heard this before. Where do we live? In the United States of America, and you've got a little girl who's never heard it before. Am I correct in saying that? Is that not what she told you? I've never heard this before. Isaiah said to Jim, I've never had anybody tell me this before. Am I correct, Jim? Where do we live? In the United States of America. And you think that there are people out there that must have heard and listen, there are people all around us who have no idea who Jesus Christ is. In fact, he may be a common name in their house and it's a curse word, but they don't know him. And listen, if they're going to get saved, you're going to have to bring him in and drop him at the feet of Christ. Think about this for a moment. I want to challenge you on this thought. Just think this for a moment. We ask Christ for so many mundane things every day. How many of you agree with that? How many mundane things do we ask Jesus for every day? And I began to think about the scriptures and and, and the Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Go back and read what all those things are. And we spend so much time asking them for those mundane things. And the reality is, is he's willing to already give those to you. But he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want to challenge you with that tonight. How about let's think about him first and what he wants, and then we'll think about those other things. And begin to look into the scriptures, and he says, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Now listen, O ye of little faith. Uh-oh. What did he just say about the person that's so concerned about what they're wearing? <laughs> The clothes that they have on their back, they're so concerned about that. And he said, oh, ye of little what? Faith. But when these men brought this man to Jesus and dropped him down into the midst, and it says, and when he saw their what? He saw their faith, didn't he? It wasn't the clothes that they were wearing. He saw something in them, didn't he? And I want to challenge you with this thought. In Hebrews eleven six. he said, but without faith, it's impossible to please him, isn't it? You cannot please God apart from faith. 
And you look at this, he says in, in, in Matthew, he says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He already knows that. He already knows you need those things. Why spend time praying for the mundane when there's a bigger picture, isn't there? There's something much greater than daily needs. And the thing of it is, is that the souls of men and women, and by the way, I believe whenever we're on that path, he'll take care of everything else. Hey, if he can take a raven and feed a man, <laughs> are you with me? If he can take a raven to feed a man, what can he feed us with? Well, I ain't eating from no raven. But the fact is, is that's what he used, didn't he? And he fed a man. I want you to be challenged in your hearts. Don't spend so much time on those mundane things. He said, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you and I have enough faith to ask the Lord to send revival? Do you have enough faith to ask the Lord, Lord, I want others to see my faith in you. I want others to see my faith. Is your faith showing? Does someone know that you even have faith? What do they see and what does your Savior see in you? And as I look at this, the only way this is going to occur is for all of us to seek out Jesus Christ and to drop him in just before them. Just drop him in. Bring that person in and put him right in the midst of Christ Jesus. Put him right in the midst of him. You say, what is he going to hear? He's going to hear the gospel. What it saves people? The gospel. <laughs> what is the gospel? It's the word of God. What is the gospel? It is Jesus Christ. Listen, there's no other way that a man get to heaven than the, but through Christ Jesus. We can do all kinds of things, but if he's not the foundation of what we're doing, if he's not the focal point of what we're doing, if he's not first in all of this, if he doesn't have first place, we might as well forget it because he is the reason that this church even sits in this town. That's why it's here, because it's his. These men had so much faith that they were willing to take strong action to bring this man before Christ. How many of us are willing to take strong action to bring someone before Christ? How many of you are willing to pick up the phone and say, hey, listen, they said, well, I don't have a ride. Well, I'll go pick you up. <laughs> How many are willing to do that? How many are willing to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to call. I'm going to text. I'm going to write. I'm going to tell them every day until they come. How many of you are willing to do that? I'm going to call. I'm going to write. I'm going to text. I'm going to do something. I'm going to send the card. I'm going to do something until they come and hear about my Jesus. How many of you love him that much? Amen. How many of you love him that much? And say, you know what? Until they hear about my Jesus. And listen, they can reject me all they want, but they cannot and will not. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess of things in heaven and of things in the earth and of things under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. That's going to happen one day. And so the challenge to us is, is let's stand up for our Christ. Amen? Hey, listen, if the homosexuals are willing to stand up for what they believe in, amen? If the abortionists are willing to stand up for what they believe in, why can't we just stand on Christ Jesus? Amen? amen. Let's stand on his promises. As I look into the scriptures, how far are you willing to go to invite someone to come and hear about the one who heals the brokenhearted? 
You know, you think about this. He not only heals them, he cleanses sin-sick souls, and he brings deliverance to the one who will believe in him. I mean, he does so many wonderful things. And I'm not talking about the idea of coming in here and holding some kind of hokey meeting. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a sin-sick soul coming to Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Hey, listen, they are serving some God somewhere. How many of you agree with that right now? And they're either serving the God of alcohol or the God of drugs or they're serving the God of pornography or they're serving the God. Hey, listen, and every one of those, they're going to have to make some sacrifice toward that God. Am I right? But my God, my God, he made the sacrifice for me. I don't have to sacrifice anymore. In fact, all I have to do is give myself over to him. Be enslaved by him. What's wrong with that? Nevertheless, you know, I live, but really I should die to self, shouldn't I? But I'm alive, and I should live for Christ. This is not about increasing the crowd, by the way. (laughs) A lot of people say, man, if, if there's a crowd, they must be spiritual. It's not about increasing the crowd. It's about winning the lost. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Do, you, do you ever recognize in the scriptures that Jesus spoke to a prostitute at a well? Huh? He went to a mountain and spoke to a madman on a mountain. One on one is how he did it. He went to a tax collector, someone who was robbing people, Zacchaeus, and he said, I must abide. Now I want to tell you something. Three different kind of people, isn't it? I got a prostitute and a madman, and I got a rob or a thief. It wasn't the crowd, was it? Oh, sure, he preached to the multitudes. (laughs) And there were times where people came. But I want to share with you those one-on-one moments in the Scriptures. Go look at how many there are with Christ in one-on-one. What about Nicodemus in the night? (laughs) One on one, wasn't it? Hey, listen, this is not just an opportunity to bring a crowd. This is an opportunity to win someone whom you love or you care about or someone that that really means something to you, some soul that their destiny is hell. And I have an opportunity to pray to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords, the one who heareth according to his will, is it not the will of God that men and women and children should be saved, that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance? What does the Bible say? And I look to the scriptures and I say to myself, am I willing to go that far just to believe Jesus Christ? If Jesus is looking at you right now, What's he see? What's he see in you right now? What kind of faith? You know, this is not about increasing the crowd, but an opportunity to see the saved turn to Christ, the lost get saved, and the backslidden return from, to God for forgiveness. Amen? So it's an opportunity to do. When Jesus sees your faith, what does he see? Is he see one that's just full of fear? Are you just afraid to ask him for these kinds of things? Are you afraid to... And I'll just keep asking him for those mundane things that he said, I'll take care of those anyway. 
Am I really willing to step out by faith and say, Lord, I'm praying we have 10 souls get saved in this meeting. Amen. Lord, I'm praying 10 more people come back to Christ. Amen. Lord, I'm praying for you to show yourself in this meeting. I'm praying, God, that even before that, that we've prayed up, and Lord, that we're just praying for people and asking God to work in their lives and asking God to change them. Not because some great orator is standing in the church or some charismatic man is saying something from behind a a pulpit, but it's the very fact that Jesus Christ died for them. That's what we should care about. It's not about who's standing here. It's about who's standing there. Amen? And we got to get our focus on the right thing. The prayer time leading up to the revival meetings, I think, is the most important part of the meeting coming up. I don't think there should be a person in it that's not involved in that prayer meeting. Every person in this church should be involved in that prayer meeting. And why? Because we are wanting God to do something according to his Will Be willing to come and lay yourself in the midst before Jesus. Be willing to come and lay others in the midst of Jesus. Let others see your faith and you show it by choosing to invite them to the house of the Lord. Let them know that you're praying for them. When's the last time you walked up and just exhorted someone and you told them, listen, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. When I go and I knock on doors, ladies, I go and knock on doors, even if they tell me, They don't really want to talk to me. You know what I say to them? Is there something that I can pray for you about before I leave? Do you know why? It's still an opportunity to witness for Christ, isn't it? And a lot of times they'll say, well, uh, well, yeah. And they'll tell you something about themselves. And I'll say this to them. Do you have a church home? (laughs) Well, no. Where are we going now? We're going to go down the path of Roman road, aren't we? We're going to get to the fact that, listen, all sinners are going to die and go to hell. Hey, listen, the day that I got in and I got to speak to the bakers, the only reason that happened is because I I asked the woman, is there anything I can pray for you about? And she said, my husband has a thyroid problem. I said, what's your husband's name? She said, his name is Preston. I said, well, let's go pray for him. And I had Connor standing right there. We made one visit that day. I had all these plans in my head that we're going to get from this end of this street to the other end of that street. And you know how far we got? The first house, and it stopped. And I got to witness to that lady and to that man, and they told me all the things that have gone wrong in their lives and how they've been in and out of jail and how they're on their second marriages and and, and how they curse like sailors and all those things. And you know what? Jesus died for them. Didn't he? He died for that sin. And I told them that that day. It's not what you're doing, it's what he's done. Amen? Amen. If Christ are looking at you right now, what does he see? Do you have enough faith to pray believing that souls are going to get saved? You know, we're commissioned by God to encourage others to be in the house of the Lord and to assemble together, especially as we see the time approaching as Christ's return. Amen? How many feel like it's a little closer today than it was yesterday? Amen? Like you see what China's doing now? Anybody, like, like you read the Bible and then you look at China and you look at Russia and you look at all these things happening in the scriptures and you start going, wow. 
Do you realize the Chinese have now brought ships out into the Pacific out there? How many of you know that already? Sitting them out on the sea out there? Oh, they're going to want to challenge us at some point. (laughs) But do you know God died for every one of those Chinese people? Amen. Amen? He did. Died for every one of them. And here's the thing. Do not allow yourself to drift from your faith by what you see around you. How many of you do that sometimes? You're thinking, what's the use, man? You throw your hands in the air and you're thinking, what What is it? But let the Lord increase your faith by praying, believing, and watching the Lord. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. How many of you look around on Sunday morning and somebody's not here and you pick up the phone and you call them or you text them and say, hey, listen, I just want to let you know I missed you this morning. Oh, they'll get mad at me. And they'll get over it too. Don't be angry. Don't be mad. Bless God, where were you? That's not what I said. Pick up the phone and call. Hey, what if something happened that morning? And we're unaware of it. Right? You say, well, pastor, that's why we hired you. By the way, you never hired me. I was called. (laughs) Amen. Amen. What I'm sharing with you is pick up the phone and call them. What if something happened to them that morning? What if they woke up so brokenhearted and so heavy and they just needed someone to speak to? And you say, it's Sunday, get in church. What if they just need a voice of encouragement, exhortation? Mark eleven twenty three through 24, listen to this. And Jesus answering saith unto him, unto them, have faith in God. How many of you have faith in God tonight? Amen. Doesn't the Bible say have faith in God? <laughs> What's my faith look like? For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he hath saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And you say, that's exactly what I'm saying. I need a brand new Mercedes, and I just need to get through to God. I need a house. I need clothes, I need cars, I need money, I need this stuff. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You'll get whatever you need. Those mundane things are always around us. And this is the confidence that I have in him, that if I ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. I don't think his word mocks itself. I think when he says those things that you desire, that ought to be in line with his will. And I promise you, you'll get them. He promised us in his word, but we got to pray believing. Let me finish with this thought. Let others see your faith. Look at this passage in verse 20. When he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. How else are they going to get saved if we don't bring them in and drop them into the midst of Jesus?